Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you didn't watch the debate, you probably didn't. I mean, for most of you, you probably didn't. Certainly not the whole thing. The uh, headline out of it is the billionaire Bloomberg, who spent all this money and, and risen up in the polls, just got pummeled. While Bernie, who's far and away the favorite right now, nationally, in the states he's already won and the states coming up, um, everybody left him alone for some reason. More or less. Although, you know, the shots that landed were the shots that have landed before. You can't possibly pay for this. It's unrealistic. You can't get it passed and the rest of it. But the, it's, it's, that is the well, rap against Bernie. So it's not going to catch your attention. Well, how about this? Bloomberg's own campaign manager tweeted out two days ago. We've got an op ed or an oppo research file on Bernie that's going to disqualify him. All right. Well, how about lay out maybe one or two nuggets last night? Since you're getting just flamed on stage, and the guy standing at 31% over there, you just left him alone. Yeah. What are you holding back on? That makes me think they don't actually have oppo research on Bernie, that that's a bluff. 
I wonder. I can't Why would you hold it back? What are you waiting for? You know, sometimes I find myself thinking about whether it was Hillary or, or really any candidate. I think well, maybe they were laying low because they're waiting till blah, blah, they just wanted to go. When is that? It work? always turns out that no, they're incompetent. Yeah. When has that ever worked? I don't think it would seem to me that for all campaigns, give everything you got now your best effort now. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for this state or that whatever. Because yeah. that doesn't seem to ever work for anybody. Well, it reminds me of a conversation I've had with my kids who are now all young adults. Um, and and I think any of us who are, who are past 40 have pretty much fully realized this. There's a lot more incompetence than you guessed as a child. You thought adults had it all together. And now, you know, you get to a point where you figure out there are a few folks who really have their act together and know exactly what they're doing. There are a hell of a lot of us who who, who have a decent idea what we're doing, but it's just the world keeps coming at us, so we're just doing our best. And then there are the f- just complete flaming incompetence. And, you know, the more I observe politics, the more I realize that a lot of these people are just bad at their jobs or they, their prejudices get in the way. And I don't mean like racial prejudice. It's the, the strategy that's, of the past. They're so in love with them. They stick with them even when the times have changed. So uh, it could be, uh, you know, Bloomberg and his people, the best money could buy are just bad at their jobs. Mm. Having said that, uh, it was a jazzy debate. I mean, and never mind if you don't give a damn about who which Democrat wins, um, although I think everybody does because, you know, it's who you're running against if you're a Republican. But, man, the knives are out there beating the heck out of each other, including, you know, uh, uh, Pete, uh, little Pete trying to humiliate Amy Klobuchar, her not having it. Liz was just had a machine gun up there and was spraying rhetorical bullets. Um, at everybody except really Bernie, as Jack pointed out. We have a highlights package. We'll play it for you. We're going to pause and discuss and the rest of it. But uh, Positive Sean, if you'd be so kind as to roll that. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. I actually welcomed Mayor Bloomberg to the stage. I thought that he shouldn't be hiding behind his TV ads. I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say, we need someone richer in the White House. Let's put forward somebody who actually lives and works in a middle-class neighborhood in an industrial Midwestern city. Let's put forward somebody who's actually a Democrat. Look. One thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. It got out of control. And it's not wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's so weak. Was that his first response to that controversy? Yes. On a debate stage? Yes. And that was it? Yeah. You don't have a great line that ready to go? The one thing I'm um, embarrassed about or um, think about. Um, he, really? He actually sounds like he was coming up with that off the top of his head. Yeah. Like can, Sean said, how could you know that was going to come up? The, the two <laughs> biggest knocks against you are stop and frisk and uh, your woman problem. Yeah. And you, you didn't seem like you'd put any thought into it prior to that moment. At least that's the way it came off. Can we hear that again, uh, P.S.? Um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. It got out of control. And it's not wow. whether you... Wow, you got to have a, a line 
My intentions were great. It ended up bad. Here's why. And then like here's what I've learned. And here's what we do going forward in the brave new world I will create for you. Well, I I didn't know anybody was going to mention this. I just said, somebody please get me a job working for these candidates because I know they overpay. Well, maybe Um, maybe especially him. Maybe the coaches are back in the room. We practiced this a thousand times. (laughs) It could be. What are you freaking doing? It could be. As uh, the headline, my favorite headline about uh, what's his face, because uh, I'm trying to find the headline. Oh, about uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg is the smirking id of America's elites. Well, if you're dealing with the smirking id of America's elites, they probably don't take instruction terribly well. I the the, the knock the the knock on uh, billionaires getting treated the way they get treated, and they're not ready for any resistance. I know just with my job, I get treated in a way that I'm going to be shocked when it ends. <laughs> um, when I'm on businesses and stuff oh, like yes, that. Oh, yes, Mr. Armstrong. I, we are honor Mr. Armstrong. I know that happens all the time. And I can imagine if you're a billionaire and that's your whole life every moment, every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least Bloomberg can play the self-made card, but every word that drips from his lips tends to contradict the whole self-made image. Well, but that's decades ago. He's been right. this rich guy for 50 years. Good point, yeah. Every so, meeting he's ever in, he's, he his comment, that's a great idea. So oh, he's Mr. Bloomberg, himself. sir. Another home run, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could kiss his... So, uh, Positive Sean, let's let's hear the, the Bloomberg weakness again, because Biden's responding to that. Um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. It got out of control. And it's not whether he apologized or not. It's the policy. The policy was abhorrent. And it was, in fact, a violation of every right people have. I have no tolerance. There. That, that was Joe Biden at his best. I don't think it violated my right against search and, uh, illegal search and seizure or cruel and unusual punishment. Joe is just, he's a nice old fella, but not quite sharp. Doesn't it, isn't that the definition of illegal search and seizure? The stop and frisk, though? Libertarians. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah it was not cruel and unusual punishment, right. though, and it certainly didn't uh, <laughs> impact my right to exercise my religion. No, but, um, uh, yeah, you're right about that. It's not just minorities who are bothered that. Libertarians of all stripes hated that policy. Problematic policy, yeah. yeah. But Joe just was doddering old Joe. He's fine. He's Wait, fine. Remember but- when the debate started, like, five years ago? Um, 11 debates ago when Joe Biden was at the center and it was all about how to take him on and everything right. like that. Now he seemed like, why are you even up there? Yeah, an afterthought. Okay, roll on. I said, hey, it got out of control. <laughs> and it's not whether the kind That's of behavior fine. that the Me Too movement, movement no, has no, no, exposed. Violation of every right people have. I have no tolerance for the kind of behavior that the Me Too movement, movement has exposed. In my foundation, the person that runs it's a woman, 70% of the people there or women. In my company, lots and lots of women have big responsibilities. They get paid exactly the same as men. And I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. (laughs) Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? There's a be- agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. We are not going to beat Donald Trump 
with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed and discriminated against. That's not what we do as Democrats. I believe in democratic socialism. Just on that topic, there is no good response to that, really, and that's why he needs to change the subject. But are we going to decide as a nation that Anybody that's ever sexually harassed a woman can't be president. Is, 30 years ago. Is that where we are? Maybe, yeah. that, maybe that is where we are. Maybe that is where we should be are. But that, that's sort of what she's insinuating, isn't it? Yeah. If there's well, a woman that comes out and says you sexually harassed her, you can't be president. Again, Bloomberg was utterly unprepared for that uh, attack. Yeah. You know, I could, I could give me 30 seconds. I'll come up with a pretty good response. But he acted as if he was surprised it happened. Hmm. So... I believe in democratic socialism okay, for no. working people, not billionaires. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? Well, you'll miss Listen to that response. To me, that was, that was the line of the night. That's a great line. <laughs> it's hilarious there, and good. There's an entire generation oh. that view their, their uncles. and their, It's the party that cried communism. They have been desensitized to the socialism-communism thing because right. all these policies get described as that. Uh-huh. And so it, it just doesn't carry any weight, and it's viewed as a lazy argument against what they are in favor of. For that crowd. Yes. But that's not the way it's going to play on the national stage. Although he think. calls himself a democratic socialist, and they're saying the leading socialist has three houses. His fellow Democrats said that. I just, I just think it's interesting that that line got no response right Right. in in a in a in a normal crowd it would have gotten some applause yeah yeah in the general it will well you'll miss that i work in washington house that's the first problem live in burlington house two (laughs) that's good and like thousands of other vermonters i do have a summer camp forgive me for that where is your home which tax which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much, yeah, right, and I pay all, all my home. taxes, and I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. And Mitch McConnell, I've been the object of his affection and the president's affection, the way he's gone after me, this new Republican Party, after me, after my son, after my family. I don't need to be told I'm a friend of Mitch McConnell's. Mitch McConnell has been the biggest pain in my neck in a long, long time. And that's so what, what we are saying, Pete. It's maybe it's a time for the working class of this country to have a little bit of power in Washington rather than your billionaire campaign contributors. <laughs> uh, all right, look, first of all, <laughs> and if there are a few people who make ugly remarks, who attack trade union leaders, I disown those people. They are not part of our movement. But leadership is about what you draw out of people. It's, what, uh, it's about how you inspire people to act. With, I have an idea of how can we move can us forward. stop sexism on the Internet. We could nominate a woman for candidate for president of the United States. Mayor Buttigieg. You know, that really? was her big applause line. She's already and she screwed it up. Amy, she's just not ready for prime time. Well, I don't know if it's on She's this. Scott Walker in a skirt. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Does this montage include the post-it note thing? I don't know. I, I don't believe I it does. The, but so it was cute. Elizabeth Warren was blasting their various health care proposals and said Amy Klobuchar's plan could fit in a post-it note. And Amy Klobuchar says, "Well, I take offense because post-it notes were invented in Minnesota." And I thought, "What? What the hell yeah. is that? Well, what, what is that? What did you it say? Was that running is for real That's her election. awkward aunt energy. Her awkward aunt energy. Yeah, and, it and just, makes, just her boosterism because yeah. she's never going to be president. I hear so. that line and I think I'll bet her potato salad is fantastic. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs>
I mean, what a weird comeback to that. <laughs> Meager secretary of potato salad. Side dishes in general. All right, is there more? Mayor Buttigieg really has a slogan that was thought up by his consultants to paper over a thin version of a plan that would leave millions of people unable to afford their health care. It's not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note. Insert plan here. Bernie... I think I'm, Amy I'm, said. I'm more of a Microsoft Word guy. <laughs> I must say, I take personal yeah, offense since post-it notes were invented in my state. <laughs> Booyah! Headshot! Come back from that! Try to stop that! Fire! Our next president! Huh? Huh? What, how are you going to respond to that one? Take that! Oh! <laughs> Hilarious. Armstrong and Getty. Start spreading the news. I'm what where's your home? What tax haven do you have your home I in? Yeah. New York City. A couple York, of old Jewish guys New yelling at each other. York. Why don't you go back to the Hamptons? Uh, the Vermont, wherever you live. That's my egg salad sandwich. I was here first. I'm number 14. Are you trying to keep me out of Del Boca Vista? <laughs> Saw this headline today, New York Post, Mark Zuckerberg. Remember him? Sure. Evil? Red-haired? Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg reportedly gets his armpits blow-dried before speeches, according to the New York Post. I don't know if that's true or not. That's odd. I don't care if it's true or not. I'm pretending it's true. Yes. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to accept it as truth. Now, he famously wears a T-shirt, right? Uh, Does he ever throw on the second shirt? He, He threw on a suit for Capitol Hill, right? He's a t-shirt yeah. guy. So is somebody's job to stand there with a blow dryer? Or does, does he, he hold do it his himself? arms up like talking to people or on the phone? Or? Zero chance he does it himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got some. He's got a pit blower? Oh, yeah. Good work if you can get it. <sighs> Found that one on glass door. I thought, well, so that's for me. And I, I was so fortunate I got the job. I lied on my resume and I got the job. Four interviews later, they offered me the job. <laughs> Zuckerberg's pit blower. Nice. Oh, hey, listen, this story, I've got a handful of things that kind of gotten shoved aside by the big stories of the day, and I, I hate to do that, <clears throat> but big piece in the WAPO, limiting immigration over the next four decades would do little to stop, uh, blah, blah, blah. it could push the country into a population decline, according to a new report by the U.S. Census Bureau. Long and short of it is we're not having babies. Native Americans are not having babies. And for the first time in mean a decade, Indians. what's that? You don't mean Indians. You said Native Americans. Sounds no, like I mean, you mean people, Indians. People who were born in the United States. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I've never loved that term. It's just silly. You know, they say Indians again. My kids did a project on the Indians. They say Indians again mm. in schools. Huh. Yeah. How do they feel about indigenous peoples? I don't mind that. It's a little long. Although everybody came over from somewhere. Everybody emerged from, you know. Sure. Africa or whatever, whichever theory you accept. For the first time in a decade, Census Bureau gamed out how varying degrees of immigration could impact the U.S. population in terms of growth, age, racial diversity, and its labor force. And the long and short of it is, according to William Fry, who's a demographer who analyzes the census for the liberal Brookings Institution, we desperately need immigration to keep our country growing and prosperous. 
Uh, it's the reason we've had a robust economy and economic growth is we've had a population growth. Right? We've had a growing population year after year since, you know, the founding. And we won't anymore unless we permit lots and lots of immigration. Okay, I'm fine with that, but let's let's have some uh, idea where we want people to come from. And I don't think there's anything wrong with deciding that. Well, and how about this? I'll and what bet, skills you bring. Well, right. And, and let's take 20 minutes to have a discussion with Americans about what would it look like if indeed our population froze or started to shrink. Would that have an effect on your life? Would that be a good thing, bad thing, neutral, neither? How about uh, more immigration, as Jack said, from where and in what by what method? Uh, but instead, no, we just shout slogans at each other. Listen, I think there's too much Im- immigration too fast. You're a racist. And then where does that leave us? I don't know. More analysis on the debate. What do you think? 415-295-KFTC. So the um, musical group Bone Thugs and Harmony has changed its name to Boneless Thugs and Harmony, and is now uh, having lost their bones, promoting a, uh, a Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know much about Bone Thugs and Harmony, but it, it sounds kind of street and tough. And Boneless Thugs and Harmony, changing your name to promote chicken wings makes me think you're not quite as street and tough as you sounded, and more just uh, entrepreneurs. Well, at this point, they're careers to the extent that they have one sure i get it cash in <clears throat> there was some a 20 year old uh, rapper from new york who was gunned down in a home invasion in los angeles just the other day some young man of note it's a uh, dangerous work being a rapper in la apparently um it was interesting some of the responses to it were uh, all about and these are like Nicki minaj was like the Bible says the worst thing is jealousy, and there's going to be something, something. But nobody was talking about this is a horrific crime, and my God, I hope the authorities bring the uh, mm. perpetrators to justice. No, everybody was kind of posturing like they knew what was going on, and I found that interesting. Again, it's dangerous work. We've got some of the analysis of the debate coming up from various leading lights of the Democratic Party that's uh, kind of interesting. They're worried is the uh, is the short version of that. Did you know it's a Girl Scout cookie season? They pulled 7,000 U.S. adults and discovered once and all for once and for all, which is the Girl Scout cookie America likes the best. What do you expect it is? You know what it is. The Thin Mint. Of course. Naturally. Got a thin one of the mint. greatest cookies. What's one of the greatest things ever created? Yeah, you're right. <clears> including <throat> penicillin and automobiles. Yeah. And uh, it supports the, the Girl Scouts, which is a fabulous organization. The Boy right. Scouts filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. The national organization did. The local chapters are uh, independent entities. Yeah. Those not following the story closely. It's it's a shame. It's a shame. It's also a hell of a shame that there were uh, little boys being molested regularly for decades. Yeah, by pervs. Yeah, back mm. to the Girl Scout thing. Sick, sick pervs. Anyway, yeah. You put a package of Thin Mints in the fridge. Oh man, there there are, there are not many things better than the Thin Mints fresh out of the refrigerator. I don't know why, but it's a. Uh... I often pair it with uh, with ice cream because I can't get enough sugar when I'm eating those oh, things. That'd apparently. be good with ice cream. So I was about yeah. to say, with Oof. a cold glass of milk. Yep. Oh, my oh. God, that's good. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Do you eat the whole sleeve? Because I do. Oh, <laughs> I kind of consider oh, a sleeve please. a portion. Yeah. What? That is like, One serving. Yeah, that's a serving. Two servings in the box. A serving <laughs> of Thin Mints is the sleeve. 
When my girls were Girl Scouts, I consumed an unholy number of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I would never binge like that. Oh. But it was... You consider <clears> that <throat> binging? Did you, did you yes, sleep? it's disgusting. It's horrific. You're like a dog. It's no not, offense. It's not... <laughs> are you calling me stupid, Pete? Well, at least what I, are you calling me stupid? At least I'm not calling you a horse-faced lesbian. Well, right? It wouldn't be that much more than eating like a Long John Donut, would it? A maple bar? Oh, Eating a sleeve yes. of cookies? Way worse. You think? Yes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the density, yes, they man! both look at me with dismissiveness. The Are you calling me stupid, Pete? No, it's not dismissiveness. <laughs> it's disdain. It's subtly different. It's a much denser treat. Hey, by the way, the every donut's time I'm... It's mostly air. Where's my uh, HFL? Every Horse-faced time lesbians. Yeah, every time we mention the debate, we got to... Hey, there we go. There you go. Horse-faced lesbians. Yeah, I thought we were on the same page, but I've thought that many times. <laughs> hey, the HFLs. Listen. There are so many important things that politics can lead to in our lives. I mean, where where the, the politics meets real life is where we ought to be focused, but we're not. It's it's usually dumb stuff or grandiose Santa Clausian plans that'll never come true, and it makes me crazy. But then you get the part of politics that is throwing, you know, aspersions at each other or fairy tales and the rest of it that ignore reality. Here's a good example of it. The whole women getting paid 77 cents on the dollar for men. Number one, that's absolutely not true. It is not true. That doesn't go into a question of which fields are chosen more often by women than men. The more dangerous fields that tend to pay better, and there are a bunch of things that are just... There are so many fallacies attached to that argument. When you equalize for those various things, the the pay is actually very, very close. And then one of the things that really separates men and women, and and Jack and I have known this for a very long time because of the nature of what we do, um, and that you know each radio show is kind of unique and has to negotiate what it gets. Um, at least you know once you pass the very lower levels of radio, and and another study has come out which has shown that which is obvious, and there's so many women who understand this. Men in general tend to be more competitive and more combative. No Men, way. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. If I was Larry Summers, president of Harvard, I'd be fired for saying this. But in general, more guys are apt to say, oh, yeah? Yeah? Let's find out. Then women who God or fate or uh, genetics or, or evolution made more cooperative. Guys, in general, more competitive. Women, in general, more cooperative. And where this bears out is in going to your boss and saying, not only do I want a raise, if I don't get a raise, I'm leaving. There's a, there is a huge gulf between the number of men who do that on a semi-regular basis and the number of women who do that. Now, if you want to make the, the lefty argument, well, women have been socialized, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's probably a grain of truth to that. But I think it's mostly just the way we're made. Um, there's instance, a new book out by Charles Murray about that. Oh, uh, is, that is gets, there? Yeah, a hmm. new book about, um, the way we're built that's going to be kind of controversial. I don't remember if it's complete. I think it comes out in March. Mm. But anyway, it's about that. On, on yeah, how- we'll talk to him. Yeah. But they uh, surveyed who did this. It's one of your big staffing companies. Um, 28 U.S. cities in the survey, all the heavyweights that you'd expect. Um, two-thirds of men asked for more money in the last, I guess, with their their, their current or, or most recent employer. Two-thirds of men 
versus 46% of women. 66 to 46%. That's a pretty big gulf. And, and I'll tell you this, having worked outside the radio industry, in the radio industry, raised kids, I've got a wife, you know, I have friends, we talk about, you know, professional things. If you're not going to ask for more money, they're not going to give it to you. At least not in most situations, unless you're in an automatic raise field. Um, and it's just, it's so self-evident to me, and it's so not helpful to scream that it's sexism, as opposed to talking to girls. And I say this as a dad who adores his daughters, and I respect them very much, but go to girls um, in high school and college, whatever, young professionals, etc., and say, listen, because of the tendencies, the, 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 well, the tendencies of men and women, it's possible you're probably not as confrontational as the guy who you're working next to. And he's going to go in demand money, he's probably a little more comfortable than you are doing that. If you think you deserve the same amount of money as him, let's talk about negotiating skills and strategies and help get you more comfortable with negotiating or asking for more money. Or if it costs you so much in stress and you're happy with what you're making, don't worry about it. But you're going to hear a lot. Um, Liz Warren's the, the, big on this. The, the 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 point being there, then, if you are making less, don't make the assumption that the boss is, oh, I'm paying him more because he's a man. No. That's not how it ended up that way. No, and that's that would be extremely rare, and as you pointed out many times, that would be so dumb. Who would because run a company you, like that? If you run off women who are smart and can contribute and are the best person for the job, you're a moron. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, there are some other stats here, but I think that's the that's the one that's the most significant to this question. Um, you know, if you're a woman, be honest with yourself. If you despise the idea, for instance, of negotiating the price of a car, I think we all dislike it, but um, just be honest with yourself and think, all right, I probably need more confidence in that area, and the more I learn about it, the more confident I will be. I could probably recommend a couple of good books for you, but anyway, thought that was interesting. So if you're the sort of person that wants to have a low-carbon footprint, I never think about that. Not one second a year, but I know people who think about it all day long. Uh, you can get a crib for your child. It'll only cost $28,885. Mm, that's fair. Made with zero fossil fuels. No part of it was farmed, fabricated, or transported with any fossil fuel emissions, which is not easy to pull off. Well, how do they make it? A unicorn crap it out? It's actually... This actually was put out by people who are kind of against uh, worrying about this sort of thing. They wanted to make a point. This is how difficult it would be Ah. to have a clean energy economy. Yeah. Completely clean energy economy. It's pretty interesting. Of course, you know, every piece of everything, every little metal thing had to get shipped here on a truck and built somewhere in a plant. All that, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. On a similar score, there are a lot of people abusing California because California is extremely precious about, we allow no drilling here, we now allow no energy production here, we will not have our beautiful landscapes and air and water sullied, which means that the 35 million people in California import all the energy. So they use just as much, but they truck it across the planet mm. as opposed to making it next door and and people congratulate themselves for that in Caliunicornia. But this is actually pretty interesting. They wanted to see whether or not it was possible in twenty twenty to do something like this. Build a crib that was totally fossil free. It is possible, but very challenging and cost almost thirty eight or thirty thousand dollars to build a crib. Mm. 
But they had to cut down the wood with an electric chainsaw, which meant they couldn't cut down a very thick tree, which means they had to change the plans that you would have normally for a crib to try to build right. it out of the tree, well, et cetera, et cetera. It'd have to be solar power. I mean, because if you're burning natural gas to get your electricity to charge your chainsaw, that doesn't count. The tiny pieces of steel in the crib came from a lab that ran on hydrogen to make the world's first steel without fossil fuels, but that, mm-hmm. that's expensive and rare currently. Uh, but eventually they'll be able to do this sort of thing. They think, maybe. Global warming was a popular part of the debate. I saw on the text line last night, that's when you bailed on the debate. I did. My eyes glazed. I actually went back to it later. I just had to take a deep breath. It's it's definitely one of those topics that um, uh, some people are super into and some people are not at all. I mean, it's it's not even close. Like, uh, I remember last debate, I was following some people on Twitter, and when they got to the climate change, I saw a couple of different Twitter feeds say, finally, they get to the only thing that matters, you know, climate change. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I'm complete tune out, fast forward. Don't care at all. Never think about it. I know people personally that think about it all day, every day. Wow. You can't even hardly have a conversation with them without it coming up. Mm-hmm. Global warming and how it's going to kill us all. Well, I, I never think about it and don't care. I tuned out mostly because it was a pie in the sky fantasy stuff as usual. Although there was finally some discussion of India. And China and coal plants and trends in that direction. And I thought, okay, at least that's real. And Ian Bremmer weighed in on the Twitter line saying, how could Bloomberg possibly be more concerned about India than China? I'll tell you how. Oh, yeah, that was obvious. Yeah. Yeah, Bloomberg let China off the hook. China is actually improving and is uh, getting in the right direction. It's India I'm worried about. Worried about said the the greatest kisser of she's butt, perhaps, on the planet, Michael Bloomberg. If he didn't doom himself last night and he continues to be in the mix, that whole China relationship he's got is going to become a big deal. China is asshole! Yep. China now has, they think, 750 million people that are living restricted lives, as in you can't leave your town or your house but a couple of days a week. And that's now, different. come on, China! Oh, well, yeah, not an imaginable number to us. Twice the population of our whole country. Wow. Now, is that the, the, the coronavirus yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Oh, listen, I ran into some great writing about Michael Bloomberg. What's, what's wrong with him? And it's pretty persuasive. Was it the tweet that I read about for a guy who's so against socialism, he sure loves being publicly owned? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's funny. Booyah! That's, I know funny when I see it, and that's funny. <laughs> right there. So more on, uh, if you don't hate him yet, you're going to in a minute. Stay around. Armstrong and Getty. That's pretty funny. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The big winner in in spades was Donald J. Trump. He he was oh, yeah. he was Huge. most concerned about Bloomberg. He is salivating at the thought of Bernie Sanders. That for him is and my big concern for the party is it was a big night for Sanders. And I, I just do not think this country is going to elect a socialist. And what I don't understand why they don't go after Sanders and really make him do the math. Buttigieg did it at one point, but really take it apart and say, Bernie, it's all nice and good. Let's talk grown up stuff now. Can we go item by item? And, and they just don't do that. It's a good question. That's a good question. You had a guy standing there in the center of the stage that is far in the lead. And and trending toward a bigger league, 
lead, and everybody was focused on Bloomberg. Yeah. Because it was kind of the hot news story, and he's a billionaire and all, everything else. But Yeah. You know, that's funny. I've been uh, hungrily reading this piece about radicalism that I've referenced a couple of times in recent days, and one of my favorite uh, sections of it talks about how this guy's experience was that the revolutionary struggle that he was in turned out to be largely a struggle against reality. Facts and evidence carried little or no weight, or or math for that matter. What mattered was the grand vision. And then he uh, he quotes, um, uh, who does he quote? I think it was uh, oh Voltaire who said, "Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities." Oof. Yeah, and I think that's true. So listen, I don't think Bloomberg's guilty of atrocities, Michael Bloomberg. Who was the uh, the the leading light, the number one with a bullet there? Uh, briefly, um, I think he may have peaked the day before the debate, but we'll see. But there's this great piece written by uh, the curiously named Matt Purple. Huh. Um, Do you keep that name if that's your name? It's catchy, memorable. Yes, yeah, yes. I've I'm, never heard of anybody named Purple in my life. If I'm a grade schooler, I don't want that to be my name. But yeah. If I'm trying to get to uh, start your own private detective agency or something. <laughs> one of my favorite lines, one of our favorite lines from the early Simpsons, we the purple. What the hell was that? <laughs> um, you had to be there. But anyway, he opens his article about Bloomberg. He, a brief mention. It's an amusing about his public health campaign against salt, which you may have forgotten about. Now Bloomberg is running for president in his years of behaving like a crossing guard drunk on the power of his reversible stop sign have come back to haunt him. The stupid and demeaning <laughs> remarks unearthed from the Bloomberg vault in recent days include attacks on African Americans. And he has links to all this stuff. Atta- Hyperlinks. Attacks on the elderly. Attacks on gun owners. Attacks on civil libertarians. Attacks on women. More attacks on women. And attacks on farmers. What these comments have in common is that they're... A-T-T-A-C-K-S or A-T-A-X? What? Attacks on... Attacks. Like attacking someone. Okay. Yes. Yes. I don't think he's offered taxes on women. The ovary tax. <laughs> he might. Would you get... Stop it. Not attractive enough. What these cuts... What well, they're say. HFLs. Yeah, exactly. Huh? What? Horse-faced lesbians. Oh, boy. What these comments have in common is that they're elitist. And not just elitist, but purist-grade, paternalistically elitist, unchecked by the usual manners and political correctness that are supposed to govern Upper East Side prejudices. Bloomberg just says this stuff, then sets about codifying it through petty rules. He's the mirror image of Donald Trump. Only whereas Trump is our most unfiltered voice of populism, Bloomberg is the smirking id of our imperious elites. Then they go into his ban on smoking in bars, which then he followed up with a raise in the smoking age, a ban on smoking in all parks and beaches, a ban on flavored e-cigarettes. Um, and then he talks about the the 20% who do smoke are generally poor people and blah, blah, blah. Then my favorite part. Well, as he said yesterday, you're a stupid person if you have a gun. Right. Bloomberg holds many trademarks, but his most familiar one is his almost childlike regard for himself. He's impossible to picture without a Simpsons-style mayor slash (laughs) slung across his chest. An ego of that size was never going to be satisfied just dictating to smokers. And so among the endless other things that Bloomberg banned as a mayor, according to a list compiled by Gizmodo, were trans fats, big gulps, styrofoam food packaging, collecting grass clippings at certain times of the year, black roofs, non-energy-efficient taxes, 
taxis, naturally lowered the speed limit in some parts of the city. Naturally, too, his administration contemplated cracking down on bars and liquor stores. Having been robbed of smoke breaks, service workers must also be deprived of jobs, only to magnanimously back off that initiative, all done in the name of public health, that gelatinous euphemism under which can fall everything from bans on private rhinoceros ownership to forced labor camps. That's uh, that's that all funny, writing. but I think after last night, it's not needed. I'm not sure he's going to be anything. Lizzie Warren took an axe and gave Mike Bloomberg 20 wax, and that is the end of that. Horse-faced lesbians. That is pretty strong. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is 10 points ahead nationally. In the average of all the polls, he's got a double-digit lead nationally. He's got a 15-point lead in the contest this Saturday, and he's climbing in South Carolina. Now, go after Bloomberg. Let the communists become your party uh, leader. Whatever. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.